This is, this is the sermon you all want to hear anyway, right? And find out about heaven. As we continue this series on a topic that everyone wonders about at times, even those that don't consider themselves to be Jesus followers or Christians um, wonder about this, even agnostics. And I would, I would argue even atheists at some time have thought about eternity. Because if they say, I don't believe in an eternity, well, they've at least thought about it a little bit, right? So we're going to talk about uh, eternity because um, it does exist. It's out there. And uh, the Bible's very clear about this because there's basically two options when it comes to eternity. Okay, and we're, and we're looking at the Bible here. This isn't me. This is what the Bible says. All right? You have uh, eternity that is in God's presence, and you have eternity that is apart from God's presence. Eternity in God's presence, the Bible calls heaven. Eternity apart from God's presence is called hell. Now, the fact that there are two des- destinations presumes that there are going to be two groups of people. And that's exactly right. Jesus told a parable one time that talks about the separation of mankind that will occur when he returns for us. Okay, He explains the separation by using the analogy of a shepherd and sheep and goats. Matthew, who was there in person and heard it in real time, recorded it for us. And this is what he said in Matthew 25, 31, and then 34, 31 to 34, and then verse 41. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What Jesus is describing there is what is commonly referred to as judgment day. And we talked a little bit about that last week when I mentioned the two judgments, right? The judgment seat of Christ, which is for all believers, and the great white throne judgment, which is for all unbelievers. And according to the Bible... Everyone, everyone say, say that word, everyone, everyone say everyone. 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 According to the Bible, everyone will stand before one of those seats of judgment. Those who receive God's gift of love and forgiveness of sins through Christ will go to be with Him for eternity in a place called heaven. Those who reject His Son will go to spend eternity apart from Him in a place called hell, that Jesus called hell. But for this morning, I want to talk about what the Bible says about heaven. I actually preached this message or a variation of it. I was trying to think, I was trying to look back through my notes. Uh, probably a couple of years ago when we did this series on the Lord's return, already or not. And those of you who were here might remember that we went through um, the Bible and tried to answer ten questions about heaven. The difference between that message and this message is uh, because I love you guys so much, I threw in two more questions. Two more bonus questions. So your pastor's doing you a solid today, right? Besides 12 is a more biblical number, right? Got 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, 12, all that kind of stuff, right? All right, so let's jump right in here. Number one, will there be pets in heaven? Uh, the answer is, uh, yours will, some of mine will. I, uh, and I shared this last time, I used to have a, a dog, a mutt, named Chopper. Chopper was part, if you can, if you can believe this, Chopper was part chow and part long-haired chihuahua. And, uh, Chopper apparently never did reach the age of accountability where he understood right from wrong because he never did understand that Right is going to the bathroom outside, and wrong is going to the bathroom inside. But that never did click with him, so uh, I don't think that I'm going to see, sadly, I don't think I'm going to see Chopper in heaven. Okay? But, uh, actually, on a more serious note, uh, the Bible does address this uh, Sol- guy by the name of Solomon, uh, who's the wisest man who ever lived, the Bible tells us, kind of gives us an insight 
about animals in heaven. It's in Ecclesiastes 3, 19-21. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same as one dies. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. A man has no advantage over the beast for all his vanity. All go to one place, all, all from the dust, and to the dust they return. All are, who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So what, here's what Solomon's saying here, right? He's saying animals and beasts are alike in this way. They die, right? Then he goes on to say, who knows the breath of man ascends upward and the breath of the beast descends downward to the earth? Here's the difference, all right? Here's the difference. The breath or the spirit of a man ascends to heaven. That's what Solomon says. But an animal's, uh, but an animal's does not. So, if there are, again, we're trying to piece this together based on what the Bible says, right? So, I say that to say, if there are animals in heaven, uh, in the new heaven and the new earth, they're probably going to be new animals that God has created, okay? However, it's interesting that when the prophet Isaiah describes the new heaven and the new earth, how peaceful it'll be, he actually mentions a couple of animals. In Isaiah 65, verse 25, he says, The wolf and the lamb shall graze together, he's talking about in heaven, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. So from what the Bible says about this, here's what we know. We know that God has a special place for each of his created beings. Thus, I think it's safe to say that animals do have a purpose in God's creation, even in heaven. Right? At the creation, we're told that man, as the highest order of creation, has been given dominion over the animal kingdom. That's in Genesis 1. However, I do need to tell you that nowhere does the Bible state or indicate that animals will experience life after death. I do need to say that. Okay? So bottom line is, and here, here's, here's the encouraging part, hopefully. Heaven will lack nothing that is good and that will bring glory to God. Okay? And while some might argue that the Bible does not indicate specifically that there will be life after death for animals, here's what I believe. I believe that if animals will somehow add to our enjoyment in heaven, they'll be there. Is, is that a nice politician's way of addressing that? If animals will somehow add to our enjoyment in heaven, then they'll be there. Okay? Alright. Question number two. This is probably the second most asked question. Will there be marriage in heaven? If I married on earth, will I be married to the same person in heaven? Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask Jesus, he's going to say no. If you ask Sue Wright, she says there's going to be one marriage in heaven. That's going to be Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Okay. So again, it depends on who you ask, right? Actually, Jesus did answer that question. Once a group of Sadducees decide to play their own version of Ask the Rabbi one day, trying to stump Jesus, kind of trip him up. The question in essence was this. Jesus, suppose a woman's married seven times. So that kind of gives you an idea of how absurd this question was, you know, how long it took him to come up with this question. It says, Jesus, suppose a woman's married seven different times to seven different men, and she dies. In the next life, whose wife will she be? And here's what Jesus answered in Matthew 22, 30. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, look at me. I need to make a distinction here, right? Please note what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say that when we die, we become angels. He didn't say that. Okay? That is one of the great misunderstandings, I think, among a lot of believers. You know, that, that we grow these wings somehow. We fly around heaven or something like that. We do not become angels. Jesus is simply saying that in our resurrected bodies, we are like angels in this aspect. We won't marry. That's what he's saying there. That doesn't mean you'll not know your mate. My uh, wife's uncle uh, just uh, passed away this past week. And her aunt had passed away trying to think of how long ago it was, but that's one of the things we talked about. Well, at least Kenner's going to get to see Peggy now, right? 
but it's going to be in a completely different context than, than how they related here on earth, right? So you will have, uh, that means, that doesn't mean you won't know your mate, it's just that you'll have a relationship with your mate as you do with your other friends up there, but it will be a different kind of relationship than a marriage. Now, as we leave these two bonus questions and get into the other ten, I just want to say, if the thought that you're not going to be married or that Fido isn't going to be in heaven causes you a lot of angst, remember this. Heaven's going to be a place of complete joy. So, if, if, if that's going to cause you angst, I'm going to say this, you won't remember. Okay? You just won't remember. Okay? Are we good on that? Because I don't want you to be bummed out because, oh no, I thought I was going to see my dog in heaven. Well, maybe you will. But even if you don't, it's not going to bother you. Okay? Alright, here we go. Question number three. Will we have a body in heaven? Yes, we will have some type of body in heaven. Revelation chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. We're actually going to get most of the answers from that passage in Revelation 6, 9, actually from one verse, verse 10, we're going to get most of these answers. But when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then, then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Had been. Now, note verse 11. They were each given a white robe. Question, why would you need a robe if you didn't have a body? Right? Why would you need a robe if you didn't have a body? Apparently we will have some type of body in heaven. Now, I can't prove it. All right? But here's my take. Since each of us is going to heaven, we're going to be receiving a robe. And, and I'm inclined to think it's going to be a really nice, it's not going to be one of the hospital robes that you've got to keep reaching back and tying in the back or anything like that. I think it's going to be a real nice tailor-suited robe. It's going to be a really stylish robe, right? All right, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 47 to 49. The first man was from the earth. He's talking. He's referencing Adam there. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, and here he's referring to Jesus, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. In other words, in other words, Adam had an earthly body just like we have an earthly body is what he's saying there. And as is the man of heaven, speaking of Jesus, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. You see what he's saying there? Paul said, he's trying to explain what our heavenly body is going to be like, and he uses Jesus as the example. He says, look, Jesus got tired and hungry, just like we get tired and hungry. And that body died a physical death. But, but, he was resurrected with a heavenly body. And here's what that heavenly body did. That heavenly body walked on this earth. That heavenly body ate on this earth. John tells us that Jesus had breakfast with his disciples on the beach one day, fish and chips, right? Remember that when he cooked the, fire, cooked the fish on the fire? Which means we'll eat in heaven. Apparently we'll eat in our glorified bodies, right? Not out of necessity, but for pleasure. And my personal opinion is, since it's for pleasure, that uh, we can eat all we want and not have to worry about gaining weight. Anyone with me on that? Right? All right. So the heavenly that heavenly body, that heavenly body of Jesus was walking down the road one day and just disappeared from sight. That heavenly body walked through, if you can believe this, walked through a locked, closed door. Remember that in the upper room when he appeared to the disciples, right? Somehow our body and our spirit are reunited in heaven. When Jesus comes back. Remember when Jesus told Doubting Thomas? Remember Thomas? Doubting Thomas? He said, no, it's me. 
Here, here, reach your hand in here, in my wound. The holes in my hand, in, in my side, where the spear. He asked Thomas to reach his hand in there, because Thomas doubted. He didn't believe that it was Jesus, right? So apparently, there's some type of meshing of our earthly body with our resurrected or glorified body. I don't know exactly how it all works. No one does. But the Apostle Paul devotes an entire chapter to help explain the differences between our terrestrial and celestial bodies and what our heavenly body might look like. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're interested in reading more about it, I encourage you to do that. All right. So in heaven, the answer is yes, we will have a resurrected body. Number four, when do we go to heaven? Now, this might seem like a stupid question, but there are those. There are those who teach that we don't go to heaven immediately after we die, but we go into something called soul sleep. Anyone ever heard that? Soul sleep, okay? Uh, which is basically some type of, for lack of a better term, it's a spiritual, or it's a spiritual suspended animation. Uh, honestly, I, I've never really done that much research on it because I think it's a bunch of hogwash. But anyway, but anyway, we go, some people think we go into this suspended spiritual animation and we stay there until Jesus comes back, at which time we'll go to heaven. That idea, listen to me, that idea contradicts what the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us that for those who know the Lord and belong to Him, we will immediately go to be with Him. Note the statement in verse 10 of our text, Revelation 16. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? The they that here, here is referencing the martyrs, the martyrs that are mentioned in the previous verse. It's talking about people who had already died and gone on to heaven. But this was before the second coming. The second coming hasn't taken place yet. You see that in chapter 19. Yet here are some Jesus followers who gave their lives for following him. And they're in the presence of God. They're in heaven. All right? You see that. I want you to see that. Luke 24, 43. How about the thief on the cross? Remember that? Remember what Jesus said to him? Today, today you will be with me in paradise. He's talking about heaven there. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul seems to indicate here that to be absent from this body, he's talking about dying here, right? He says to be absent from this body is to be in God's presence. So apparently as soon as we die, we go into his presence. Doesn't that sound like what that says? Okay, that's because of what he is saying. As soon as the Lord takes us home. All right. So, when do we go to heaven? If you know the Lord, as soon as you die. All right. Will we communicate in heaven? Yes, because we'll have these glorified celestial bodies. Some people think that communication in heaven is going to be some kind of ethereal Jedi thing where we just kind of you know, send thoughts to someone else or something like that, right? <clears throat> no, we will communicate. We, just like if we were going to have bodies and mouths, we would talk, right? If we have a mouth, I think we're going to be able to talk. <clears throat> it appears as though our communication in heaven is going to be similar to how we communicate here on earth. By talking. Not just talking, but apparently talking loudly. Loudly. I say that because in verse 10 it says, they cried out with a, what? Loud voice. Isn't that interesting? Heaven's not going to be like the public library. Heaven's not going to be like that church you grew up in, where every time you start to say something, you're, shh, shh, shh. No, apparently, we are going to talk, and we are going to talk loudly. Right? Question number six. Will we have emotions in heaven? Uh, well, I don't know about you, but that statement, how long, O Lord, before you will judge and avenge our blood, that kind of sounds like an emotional statement, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Your emotions are part of your soul. And if your soul goes to heaven, 
Your emotions are going to follow suit. In heaven, we'll have a mind. We'll have a will. We'll have emotions. Right? So yes, apparently we'll experience emotions in heaven. In fact, at the end of the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find the one, the one that's straight, Jesus says this in Luke 15, 7. I tell you there will be more joy in where? Heaven. What's joy? It's an emotion. Right? More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And that joy that we'll experience in heaven is something that we cannot even fathom. Peter calls it joy unspeakable. That sounds like an emotion to me. Right? So yes, we'll have emotions in heaven. Number seven. Will we know everything when we get to heaven? Uh, the short answer is no. Some of the confusion surrounding this question comes from a misunderstanding of a couple of verses. But just because we'll be in heaven, right, and God is all-knowing, doesn't mean that we're going to be all-knowing because we're in heaven and God's all-knowing. Here, here are two verses that, that clearly indicate that we will not know everything in heaven. Again, Revelation 6, verse 10. How long, the martyr speaking here, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Note here that the martyrs are in heaven, they're in God's presence, even talking to the Lord, and note the conversation at this point included a question. See that? How long before you judge? Apparently they didn't know. So we will not be all-knowing in heaven like God knows, not, not in that sense. And remember, Jesus, when talking about his return to earth, at one point said, no one knows that day or that hour. Well, I believe that would have included those in heaven at the time. The Bible doesn't say that we'll know. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that we'll know as he knows. It says, well, first of all, it says that we'll see him as he is. In another place, it says that we will know as we are known. Huge difference. That we will know as we are known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. In other words, Paul says in heaven we'll know others and others will know us. It's not saying that we're going to be all-knowing. You see that? Because some people get that confused and they, they kind of get that twisted so they think we're going to be all-knowing. No. We aren't going to be all-knowing. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. In other words, in heaven we'll have an eternal heavenly perspective. Something that we struggle in this life with, right? It's hard to have. We try to, but we can only get so much of a heavenly perspective in this life, no matter how hard we try. When we get there, it's going to be a complete heavenly perspective, right? But we won't be omniscient in heaven. We won't know everything. Which, if you think about it, is probably a good thing, right? You know, some of you are already there. You know what I'm talking about, right? I honestly think that we'll be, that we'll still continue to explore and learn in heaven. I really do. I think we're going to continue to learn things in heaven. I mean, you think about heaven. Heaven is so vast, you know. Uh, you know, you know that one time that Jesus was transported. You know, when he was walking with them, the two on the road to Emmaus, and he was transported. You know, I, sometimes like my mind, my mind kind of start, you know, wandering. I'm thinking, what if we do that in heaven? You know, like I think I want to go see the Hubble telescope. You know, and all of a sudden you're there. You know, and something that I kind of thought about. But anyway, uh, but no, I, I think that uh, I think we're going to continue to learn in heaven. Uh, I think that, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how it's going to work, but, uh, we'll be, I think we'll actually continue to be seeing and learning new things about God. Discovery Channel ain't got nothing on heaven. Alright? Number eight. Will we know what's going on or happening on earth? Alright? 
Uh, the short answer is yes, but with a disclaimer. We'll know what's going on, but it's going to be with a heavenly perspective. And everyone said, Amen. We'll know what's going on, but it's going to be from a completely different perspective. And how do we know this? Revelation, again, 16. How, these are the martyrs crying out to God. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? They knew, look at this, they knew who their offenders were on earth. Those martyrs. You see that? Everyone see that? They knew who, they, who, who had killed them, basically, these martyrs. That dude right down there in the Target parking lot. He killed me. But again, it's going to be from a heavenly perspective, right? What that looks like, I don't know completely. No one does, right? But we'll certainly see things different than we do here and now. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not a coincidence, listen to me, it's not a coincidence that the writer says this right after mentioning many of the Old Testament saints that had gone on to heaven before Hebrews chapter 11 is commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith chapter because of the numerous Old Testament patriarchs, champions of the faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. Then in the very next, I guess a matriarch too, but throughout. Then in the very next chapter, he talks about being surrounded by this large group of people who remain faithful to God. Right? And they've now finished the race and have received their heavenly reward. And they're now, this is, this is amazing when you think about it, now they're in heaven cheering us on. Oh, I thought that was a little more. I'm going to try that again. And they're now in heaven cheering us on. Yeah. All right, there we go. Now think about that. I mean, that alone should encourage us to continue to be faithful, right? Um, up until a few years ago, I had never been, well, I, I think I had driven cross-country meets before, uh, driven the team. But I never actually experienced one until uh, Colin, the first year Colin uh, ran cross-country. And uh, the thing that we remember most, and Sue will tell you this too, the thing that we remember most about going to that, our first cross-country meet was how positive all the parents were. I mean, everyone's just encouraged, because it's kind of a, a, a you know, a, a personal, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, Competing against yourself. Yeah, it's a team thing, but at the same time, there's that personal. But, and, I mean, almost to a person, all the parents were so encouraging. You know, I mean, even the ones that were falling behind, they would, and it's like that was so refreshing because we were used to basketball. <laughs> and, you know, and I run the clock and play some music, you know, for some of those games over there. And I'm sitting over there by the visiting team. Of course, Wellsville fans don't do this. I know, you know that, right? But I'm sitting over there right by the visiting teams, and man, some people can be brutal. You know, I mean, some of the things they say, not just about the coach, to the coach, but to some of the players too. I'm like, really? But that, that's what was so refreshing about cross, cross country. I mean, everyone's really encouraging. And that's kind of what the writer of Hebrews is descri describing there. Those that have gone on before us and they're encouraging us, right? Luke 15, 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. See, this has to take place before the second coming of Christ, after he comes back, right? So it's referring to those in heaven, and Jesus says, look, I'm telling you that anytime someone on this, on this life, in this life, on this planet, receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there's celebration in heaven. There's a big party that takes place. That's why if you ever receive the Lord, that's why we want to know. Not just to help you take your next step, but we want to celebrate that with you, because that's an encouragement to everyone. Not just the ones in heaven. We want to have a party down here too. That's not, I mean, you know, we want to get in on this. 
So that's why we encourage you to follow up and let us celebrate with you on that, right? And you know, you get to heaven and you, know, you think about that celebration, you know, and you run because you're going to run into something. Oh man, Paul, good to see you, man. And then you're going to run something like, you? Yeah. And they're going to look at you like, you? Yeah, right. Both of you think, I didn't know you was going to make it to heaven, right? But, the, but there, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be this joy, this, this huge party that's going to take place, right? All right. So, um, will we know what's going on on earth? We will, but with a different perspective. Uh, will we, will, will we remember, uh, any of our previous lives? Oh, that's what we just looked at now. Now the next, number 10. All right. Here we go. Will we recognize other people in heaven? Uh, the verse that we looked at earlier, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Not only will we know other people, we will know them like we've never known them before. Okay? It's going, we will, well not only know them, we'll know them like we've never known them before. Guys, you're, you're going to finally be able to understand your wife. Only thing is, she won't be your wife at that point. And vice versa. Matthew 8, verse 11. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now think about the implications of that statement by Jesus. <clears throat> we'll actually get to sit down with some of these Old Testament saints. Talk to them. Sit down. Abraham, man, I've always wanted to ask you, what were you thinking when you took your son up to sacrifice? Did, did you really believe God was going to provide a sacrifice? I mean, really. Peter, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, Peter had a tendency to kind of stick his foot in his mouth on a number of occasions. But we'll be able to talk with these guys. I think that's going to be one of the real perks of going to heaven, be able to talk with these guys. And because we'll know people in heaven, I do think there's a possibility of running into someone who we never thought would make it there. But again, there's cause for rejoicing, right? All right, probably the most intriguing uh, part about this uh, aspect of heaven is what age will we be when we're in heaven, which really doesn't make sense when you consider that age is pretty much a non-factor when you're living in eternity, right? Still, we want to know, because our minds, in, the, in these finite bodies, right, our, our mind kind of goes there, so, you know, we kind of know what it, for example, we, we lost a stillborn daughter years ago, uh, full-term stillborn daughter, Kasia. And so, you know, someone, I wonder what, what, what age is she going to be when we you know, get to heaven. Ever thought about that? Ever thought about that? You know, the Bible doesn't really specifically answer this question, but a couple of interesting things. One, one person, well, at least I'm sure there's more than one, but one article I read, uh, guessed that, uh, that babies, uh, are given a resurrected body. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 49. That is, again, I'm just saying, this isn't me, this is someone, that is fast forwarded to the ideal age. And the ideal age, according to this person, was the age that Jesus was when he, when he was crucified. 32, 33, somewhere in there, right? Again, who knows? Who knows what age we're gonna be? Uh, but that is kind of something interesting to ponder. Be kind of interesting to see how that plays out, right? Thomas Aquinas believed, right? The saint, the Old Testament, uh, uh father, Believed and taught that since Jesus died at the age of 32 or 33, that that's going to be the age that we're going to be. Right? And he cites that verse in John, 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears we shall be like Him 
for we shall see him as he is. But again, that's just speculation. Okay. So we will know others. Uh, what age are going to be? I don't know. But again, age is going to be a non-factor. But that is kind of interesting to ponder, right? One, one thing is for certain. Whatever age we appear to be, we will be gloriously perfect. Whatever age we are. Our, our entire person will be remade flawless, holy and completely like Christ. All right? We will lose all trace of human fallenness wearing the robes of purity, holiness, and perfection. So whatever age we are, it's going to be the age of complete and total perfection. Number 11. What are we going to do in heaven? We're going to sit, we're going to float on some clouds and have a harp, and we're going to have to learn to play Amazing Grace. And we're going to play that over and over and over and over. Right? Revelation 7.15, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night. What are we going to do in heaven? We're going to serve Him day and night. See, Satan's the one that's promoted this idea that you don't want to go to heaven. It's just what's boring. Sitting around in a cloud singing kumbaya, playing their harps and whatever. No. We're going to be serving him day and night. Right? But he's done a masterful job of promoting that idea that heaven is, is like some kind of a boring place. You know, in some ways, heaven's kind of losing the marketing battle here. Right? That's because those of us who should know more about it don't know more about it. Don't you think you should know more about heaven? I'll tell you why you should know more about heaven. Because if we really do believe in heaven, then that means we're going to believe in, we've got to believe in hell. And if you really believe in hell, then that should motivate us to talk to more people about heaven. So if you're going to talk to more people about heaven, don't you think you should know more about it so you can answer their questions? That's like, that's like me telling, you know, that's, that's like, Gabe, man, there's this, Awesome restaurant. You need to go to. Okay. Uh, what's the name of it? I don't know. Okay. Well, well, what kind of food is there? I don't know. But it's an awesome restaurant. See, people have questions about heaven. That's why we're doing this sermon. To educate us. See what the Bible says about this. Right? So even though there's a lot that we don't know about heaven, still based on what Jesus said about it, what Paul said about it, what the Bible says about it, there's no question it's going to be the most fantastic place ever. Work out in your garden all day, never get tired. You know why? No weeds. There you go. We could do, we wouldn't be moving. We wouldn't be moving if we didn't have weeds in our garden. Partly. Travel any place at the universe at the speed of thought. Eat brownies and never gain a pound. Imagine that. Stories told of an elderly couple that passed away, found themselves at the pearly gates, as the little uh, intro said. Peter was there to welcome them. First he showed them their mansion. And man, it, they were just overwhelmed. They were just overwhelmed by it. The man, he's looking at it, he says, man, how much does this place cost per night? St. Peter said, it's free. It's heaven. It's heaven. Right? Doesn't cost anything. Then Peter took him to the dining room where there was this buffet of all this all these delicacies. He says, man, how much does this thing cost? It's free. It's part of the package. It's in heaven. It doesn't cost you anything. Man, couldn't believe that. And then he's kind of overwhelmed by all that. They walk outside. St. Peter shows him this immaculate golf course. Better than anything Augusta, where they play the Masters. Even better than Augusta. And Peter says, wait, before you ask, there's no green fees. No green fees up here. The man looked at his wife and said, all those years ago, you started cooking healthy meals. I could have been up here years ago if I just would have been eating my junk food. 
Sometimes when people think of heaven, they think of it as a dull and boring place. But it's not. It's not. But honestly, the best thing about heaven uh, is not where we are, but who we're going to be with, I think. I mean, yeah, it's going to be nice to be there, but what makes it special is who we're going to be with when we get there. Years ago, a guy by the name of Don Piper wrote a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven. Did anyone read that book? Okay. I just read excerpts from this, and I'm going to share this with you, but uh, he uh, he actually uh, died and then came back to life. It's been medically documented, documented that he was dead for about 90 minutes. Okay? Now let me preface my comments by reminding you that we need to be careful when evaluating what heaven is like based on someone's experience, okay? Uh, because it's not the Bible. However, in as much as what he shared that lines up with the Bible, I think it's worthy of noting. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to point out some things that he said that I think line up perfectly with the Bible's description of heaven, alright? So listen to part of his account of when he died and went to heaven. He says, As I try to explain heaven, my words seem weak and hardly adequate. Because I have to use earthly human terms to describe unimaginable joy, excitement, warmth, and happiness. See, that's the problem John had when Jesus gave him the revelation. When he got the revelation, he's writing this stuff. That's why the book of Revelation can be Difficult because there's a lot of type and symbols. Understand, John has seen this stuff in the heavenlies. He's trying to put earthly words to it, and that wasn't an easy thing to do. But that's kind of what this guy is experiencing here. He says, I'm trying to record this and describe it. Unimaginable joy, excitement, warmth, and total happiness. Everyone continually embraced me, touched me, spoke to me, laughed and praised God. This seemed to go on for a long time, but I never got tired of it. My father was one of 11 children. Some of his brothers and sisters had as many as 13 children. When I was a kid, our family reunions were so big we had to reserve an entire city park in Monticello, Arkansas. We we Pipers are affectionate with a lot of hugging and kissing when we gather together. None of those earthly family reunions prepared me for the sublime gathering of saints I experienced at the gates of heaven. Many of those who gathered with us in that city park in Monticello were some of the same ones who were there to greet me at the gates of heaven. Heaven was many things, but without a doubt it was the greatest family reunion of all. Everything I experienced was like a first-class buffet for the senses. I had never felt such powerful embraces or feasted my eyes on such beauty. Heaven's light and texture defy earthly eyes or explanation. Warm, radiant light engulfed me. As I looked around, I could hardly grasp the vivid, dazzling color. Every hue and tone surpassed everything I had ever seen. With all the heightened awareness of my senses, I felt as if I had never seen, heard, or felt anything so real before. Never in my happiest moments had I felt so fully alive. Unquote. That sounds like a place I'd like to check out. Right? Would you want to check that place out? I want us to look at the book of Revelation chapter 21 now as we kind of conclude this message. Later on in this chapter, we're given a description of the New Jerusalem. The the biblical description of this place is as follows. It says it's 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles wide, and 1,380 miles. It's a perfectly shaped cube, in other words. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, 
and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Listen. The greatest thing about heaven will be the fellowship that we'll have both with one another, but also with the Lord himself. Which is the exact opposite of hell. We'll talk about that next week. Because in hell, people won't ever see anyone or talk to anyone regardless. So it's not going to be a big party. So, point number 12, last one. Question, who will be in heaven? Well, let's read on in Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment or freely. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and then he will be my son. Verse 17, Revelation 22. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Again, freely. Who will be in heaven? Those who come and drink of that water. That is freely offered. Paul says in Romans 10, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. How do you get to heaven? Confess your sins before the Lord. Receive Jesus Christ as your heart. The story is told of a time when Albert Einstein was going on a train to an out-of-town speaking engagement. The conductor stopped by to punch his ticket. The great scientist, preoccupied with his work, to his embarrassment, was looking around through his briefcase, his coat pockets, couldn't find his ticket. The conductor said, we all know who you are, Dr. Einstein. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Everything is okay. The conductor walked on down the aisle, punching other tickets. Before he moved to the next car, he looked back and saw Dr. Einstein down on his knees, looking for, still looking for his ticket. He came back and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about it. I know who you are. Einstein looked up and said, I too know who I am. What I don't know. sing one last worship song and be dismissed. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to go to heaven, you can do it. You can take care of that.
we sing this song also want you to just if you have already accepted the Lord, just pray for the Holy Spirit. Lord, what did you want me to learn from this message? What did you want me to learn from this message? place on there you can a little box you can say i pray to receive jesus christ as my lord and savior if you would uh, fill that out and drop it off at the next steps desk uh we would like to help you with your next step i mean that this is the most important step here but uh god's not finished with you uh, he's got a plan and purpose for your life so we would like you we would like to help you take that next step so if you would mark on there if you did pray to receive jesus just mark it on there and just give it to them at the desk out there next steps desk or and or tell someone be me, you can come tell me. Tell someone next to you. 
Say, hey, I prayed that prayer with the pastor to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Why? Again, because this is a huge thing. If you prayed that, there's a party going on in heaven right now, and I want to kind of get in on it. And the only way we get in on it is if we know that you've done that. And so we want to celebrate with you. But again, the main thing is being a support to you and help you as you begin to live your life for Him. Because it's an awesome thing. Lord, I pray that you would uh, go with us now. We pray, Father, that whatever you wanted us to learn from this message, no matter where we're at in our relationship and our walk with you, that you would help us to uh, be willing to make those changes that we want to be the stewards of the Word, our heirs of the Word, but the stewards as well. Because something to say to each of us. And again, for those who did pray to receive you, if there were any of those, Father, that they would uh, make that known so we can celebrate with them and with the saints in heaven. Go with us now. Yeah. Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Go with the Lord.